book of Acts in chapter number 7, and we are uh, continuing our study into the, uh, the speech of Stephen, and we're click, quickly coming to the end of this study, and I don't know exactly where we're going to go next, what we're going to study next, but again, it's the speech that Stephen gave before the high priest, and Stephen is making a self-defense of himself and why he, um, he's been accused. He's been accused in Acts 6, 14. It says, We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And then the high priest said, Stephen, are these things so? And so we've been looking at Stephen making a self-defense. And so Stephen is delivering this speech not only to indict those who heard him of their hard-heartedness to God, but also all of Jewish history. Really, since they come out of Israel, or come out of Egypt, he's been accusing them of hard-heartedness. They've turned their backs away from God throughout the history. And so now, since since they made the accusation to Stephen that he's going to, as it says, shall de destroy this place. Again, talking about the temple. This is Herod's temple at this point. And they're saying, we've heard him say he's going to destroy Herod's temple. That Jesus is going to destroy Herod's temple. So Stephen, as his last witness, is going to call the one that built the original temple to the stand. He's going to call Solomon to the stand and see what Solomon has to say. Acts chapter number 7 and verse 46, it says, Who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. <coughs> Howbeit the most high dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Hath not my hand made all these things? And so as we think about this, we want to keep in mind the history of the temple. What happened to the temple that Solomon built? And hopefully you all know the answer to that. Since we've been studying the book of Daniel and we looked at the nation of Babylon and we saw Nebuchadnezzar as the leader of the nation of Babylon. And what did he do to the temple? When he besieged the city, of course, he destroyed it, right? It, the, the temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar in the siege of Jerusalem in 587 B.C. So the first thing, we, we want to keep that in mind. And we also want to keep in mind, why was that temple destroyed? The, Solomon, the temple that Solomon built, why was it destroyed? And the answer to that's easy, right? Hopefully you know it. We'll dig into that as we go along, but we know that it's because of sin. And so in this text, uh, Stephen goes, and, and we just finished up last week talking about the days of David. And we know that David desired to build a house for God. And that's what he says in verse 46. Who found favor before God and desired 
to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob. He wanted to build God a house. Now we're going to go back to the Old Testament and we're going to look into that a little bit. First Chronicles chapter number 17 because there's some things about David building the tabernacle that we want to, to remember. Was David able to build the tabernacle? And the hope, hopefully you know the answer to that question and you know the reason about that. So 1 Chronicles 17 and verse 1 says, Now it came to pass as David sat in his house that David said to Nathan the prophet, Lo, I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord remains under curtains. Then Nathan said unto David, Do all that is in thine heart, for God is with thee. And it came to pass the same night that the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell David my servant, Thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not build me a house to dwell in. For I have not dwelt in a house since the day that I brought up Israel unto this day, but I've gone from tent to tent and from one tabernacle to another. Wheresoever I have walked with all Israel, spake I a word to any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedars? Now therefore, thus shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcote, even from following the sheep, that thou shouldest be ruler over my people Israel. And I have been with thee whithersoever thou hast walked and have cut off all thine enemies from before thee and have made thee a name like the name of the great men that are in the earth. Also I will ordain a place for my people Israel and will plant them and they shall dwell in their place and shall be moved no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness waste them anymore as at the beginning and since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel. Moreover, I will subdue all thine enemies. Furthermore, I tell thee that the Lord will build thee in house. And it shall come to pass when thy days are be expired that thou must go to be with thy fathers that I will raise up thy seed after thee which shall be of thy sons and I will establish his kingdom. And so we know that David had this desire to build the house of God. But it's not until 1 Chronicles 22.8 that we find out whether David was able and it says, But the word of the Lord came to me saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly. And hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build a house unto my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. And so, here you have David, a man after God's own heart, a man of God's choosing. God chose a king like he wanted, not a king like the people wanted, who was Saul, but a king that God desired, a man who God desired to be the king, and that was David. And so here was David, a man after God's own heart, yet he was forbidden to build the house of God because God desired a man of peace, not a man of war, to build his house. Now, as I was thinking through that, I thought about, what is Stephen saying here? Is Stephen implying something? Because as Stephen, in, in that verse that we read, uh, implied that David was not able to build the house, but Solomon built the house, is he implying something to the high priest and to all the other religious people that are there? Is he implying, listen, David was not able to build the house because he had blood on his hands. You have blood on your hands. So what's going to happen to the temple once again? No, I don't really know that because we're talking about the things that are implied. But does the high priest have blood on his hands? Yes, he has the blood of Jesus on his hands. What's going to happen to the 
temple that Herod built, it's going to suffer the same fate that Solomon's temple experienced. It's going to be destroyed. But we know that Solomon built the house, right? David's son built the house. And 2 Chronicles 6.10, and I'm not going to take the, I'm not going to read that, but, it, but he said that he stood in the room of David to build the house. In other words, since, since David wasn't able to build the house, Solomon's going to build it for him. He's accomplishing something that David could not. He stood in the place of David. And as I read through that, when Solomon said, I stand in David's room, it immediately drew my attention to uh, the, the, uh, the death of Jesus and how he stood in our stead. Um, and so he, he accomplished something that we could not. He accomplished eternal redemption for us because we can't. And so that just, that's just where my heart went as I read that, that Solomon said, I'm going to do this in the room of David. So Solomon was able to finish the work and he builds the house with the understanding now that God does not dwell in a temple made by man's hands. So they're going to build this house, this house of God, but they understand that God doesn't really dwell there. Where is God? Where does God truly dwell? God dwells in all of his creation, right? And so when they built this temple, this place where the Shekinah glory of God would dwell, that's not God himself dwelling there. It is the representation of God dwelling there. So Solomon built the house knowing that it's not really the dwelling place of God because God does not dwell in a temple made with hands. We get some more insight into that into 1 Kings chapter number 8. And you might hold your place there in Chronicles because we're going to come back to Chronicles. But 1 Kings chapter number 8, Solomon says this about the temple that he's going to make. Verse 26. And now, O God of Israel, let thy word, I pray thee, be verified, which thou speakest unto thy servant David, my father. But will God indeed dwell on earth? Behold, the heaven and the heavens of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house that I have builded. Yet have thou respect unto the prayer of thy servant and to the supplication, O Lord my God, to hearken unto the cry and to thy prayer, which thy servant prayeth before thee today. So Solomon built a house knowing that God doesn't really dwell there, that the heavens of the heavens is the dwelling place of God. So Solomon built a house. And so Stephen makes that reference back in, 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 uh, in Acts chapter number 7 and verse number 6. And he, and he says that, that, God, that uh, let me just turn there and read it real quick. He said, Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophets. And so we understand that Stephen uses this term, the Most High. We talked about in the, the sermon earlier about the term using the Son of Man. And so uh, anytime there's a term for God, you know that it's significant. As a matter of fact, in, in Mark Anthony's reading today, I think it, it said that Jesus would be the Son of the Most High. <coughs> So there's some significance to that term, the Most High. It is first heard by Melchizedek in Genesis 14, 18, where it just says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest 
of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, professor, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand, and he giveth him tithes of all. And so, so we recognize this term, the Most High God. We get this understanding of who God is. He is the Most High of all of the gods that this world worships. We're talking about the Most High God. It's the same concept that Paul uses on Mars Hills when he talks about uh, this tomb of the or the temple of the unknown God that they had on uh, on Mars Hill, and he says that God is the God that I want to explain to you. I want to tell you who the God, the unknown God, is. I want to tell you who the Most High is. It's also what Isaiah references in Isaiah. 66 1 where it says thus saith the lord the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool where is the house that you built unto me and where is the place of my rest so it's this this concept of the most high god that doesn't dwell in a temple made by hands that's who stephen is referring to as he's calling the high priest he's calling their attention to think about the most high god in this temple that Solomon built and he's trying to get them to see listen Solomon built a temple and what happened to it it was destroyed why because of your sin and your hard-heartedness of your forefathers what's going to happen to this temple that you're saying that you're you're worried about saying that Jesus is going to destroy this temple what's going to happen to it this temple is going to be destroyed because of your hard-heartedness it's not Jesus is going to destroy it. It's your hard-heartedness that's going to have it destroyed. And by the way, you think it's so holy because that's the place where God dwells. Well, it's not the place where God dwells. Stephen is saying all of that when he uses that phrase there in Acts 7, chapter, uh, chapter, chapter, Acts 7 and verse number 46 and 47. And so... Why is he calling Solomon to witness? Why is Stephen calling Solomon? And not only Solomon, but he's building, calling the temple to witness. Let's go now to the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles in chapter number 6. We're going to see why Stephen uses Solomon and the temple as a witness. So, so in 2 Chronicles 6, we see the dedication of the temple. Solomon has a great, a great prayer. He has a lot to say. Listen, verse 14. And said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like unto thee in heaven nor in the earth, which keepeth covenant and showest mercy unto thy servants that walk before thee with all their hearts. Thou which hast kept with thy a servant David, my father, that which thou hast promised him and spakest with thy mouth and hast fulfilled it with thine hand as it is this day. Now therefore, O Lord God of Israel, keep with thy servant David, my father, that which thou hast promised him, saying, There shall not fail thee a man in thy sight to sit upon the throne of Israel. Yet so that thy children take heed to their way to walk in my way as thou hast walked before me. Now then, O Lord God of Israel, let thy word be verified which thou hast spoken unto thy servant David. But will God in very deed dwell with men on earth? 
Behold, heaven and the heavens of heavens cannot contain thee. See the, see the connections that's being made that Stephen's making to what Solomon prayed and it's what Isaiah prophesied, all of these things. There, see how the, that, that phrase is all brought together throughout the scripture? So have respect, therefore, to the prayer of thy servant and to his supplication, O Lord my God, to hearken unto the cry and the prayer which thy servant prayeth before thee, that thine eyes may be opened upon this house day and night, upon the place whereof thou hast said that thou wouldest put thy name there to hearken unto the prayer which thy servant prayeth toward this place. Hearken, therefore, unto the supplications of thy servant and of thy people Israel, which they shall make toward this place. Hear thou from heaven thy dwelling place, even from heaven, and when thou hearest, forgive. Now notice what he's going to say. If a man sin against his neighbor and hath an oath be laid upon him to make him swear, and the oath come before thine altar in his house, then hear thou from heaven and, and do and judge thy servants be, uh, by requiting the wicked and by recompensing his way upon his own head and justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. And if thy people Israel be put to the worst before the enemy because they have sinned against thee and shall return and confess thy name and pray and make supplication before thee in this house... Then hear thou from heavens and forgive the sin of thy people Israel and bring them again unto the land which thou gavest to them and to their fathers. When the heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against thee, yet if they pray toward this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou dost afflict them, then hear thou from heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and of thy people Israel when thou hast taught them the good way wherein they should walk and send rain upon the land which thou hast given them thy people for an inheritance for if the earth be dearth in the land if there be pestilence if there be blasting or mildew locusts or caterpillars if their enemies besiege them in the cities of their land whatsoever sore or whatsoever sickness there be then what prayer or what supplication shall be made of any man or of any people of Israel when everyone shall know his sore and his own grief and shall spread forth his hands in this house. Then thou hear from heaven. What's he saying? Solomon's praying at the dedication of the temple. And he's praying. And he's saying, God, I know this people are going to sin against you. They're going to need forgiveness. And if they pray towards this place, Hear and forgive. And so the temple is going to be the inspiration for prayer. And it's going to be the inspiration of prayer, the prayer of forgiveness. Because the people are going to sin. So he's calling Steve or Solomon in the temple to witness because Solomon's already said the people's going to sin. But how, are they, how should they respond if they sin? They should turn their hearts to the temple, and they should pray and ask forgiveness. How does God then re respond to Solomon's <laughs> prayer? Second Chronicles 7.10 And on the three and twentieth day of the seventh month, he sent the people away into their tents, and glad and merry in heart for the goodness that the Lord had showed unto David and to Solomon and to Israel, his people. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that, that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord and his house he prosperously effected. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain or if I command the locusts to devour the land 
Or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So Solomon prays, God, this people are going to sin. And God, if they sin and they turn their hearts to the temple and pray, I pray that you will hear them. And God says to Solomon, Solomon, if my people, when they sin, if I've sent pestilence to them, if I've dried up the rain, if they will turn their hearts to the temple to pray, then I will heal from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I've chosen this to be my place. And if my people will pray to me, then I will hear. But what happened? The people sinned, right? The people were taken into captivity. And what did they fail to do? They failed to turn their hearts to the temple and pray. And because of that, because of their hard-heartedness to turn to God and pray when they sinned, the temple was destroyed and the people were taken out of the land. By the way, what did we find Daniel doing last week? What was he doing? He opened his windows towards Jerusalem and prayed three times a day. What was he doing? He was doing what Solomon said his people ought to do. Daniel was even more faithful than what we realized. He was praying towards Jerusalem like he should have. But anyway, the presence of God that filled Solomon's temple, what happened to it? It was taken back to heaven. And this place that Stephen is referencing, this place that, you, that they were so afraid of Jesus saying his destroy, he was going to destroy it, was the Shekinah glory of God present in Herod's temple? The answer to that question is no. Why? Because of sin. So we go back to Acts chapter number 7 and we think about what Stephen is doing and we listen to his witness that he calls and he's calling Solomon to witness and and all of those things that I just described are things that the high priest should know about the temple. He should know about Solomon's prayer. He should know about God's response to Solomon. And so without saying it, he, he's saying, listen, your forefathers were hard-hearted towards God and they rebelled against God and they rejected God and the temple was destroyed. You had blood on your hands. You killed Jesus. What's going to happen to this temple that you're so concerned about? Listen, if you was really concerned about the temple, what would you be doing? You would be turning your face towards God and you would be repenting of your sins and you would be turning from your wicked ways. But since you will not turn from your wicked ways, this temple is going to be destroyed just like the temple in Solomon's day. What's the verdict? You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in the hearts and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. So Stephen called Solomon to witness. Stephen called the temple to witness. And what is the verdict? They're hard-hearted and they're stubborn and they will not listen. It's an open and shut case. 
the high priest is guilty just like his forefathers were. Now this is contained in the scripture for us to know and understand. It's contained in the scripture for us to learn. That Old Testament history, that's written for us to listen and to know. And it's to be an example to us. What Stephen, Stephen's speech is recorded for us to know and learn. And will we learn the lesson from Solomon's temple? Will we learn the lesson from Herod's temple? Will we learn the lesson of the danger of hard-heartedness towards God and the failure to pray and ask forgiveness? Will we turn our hearts to the dwelling place of God, which is in heaven? And will we pray and seek forgiveness of our sins? You see, we need to think about the verdict in our heart. Is our heart sensitive to listen to the leadership of the Holy Spirit? Or is our heart hardened towards God? And do we fail to turn from our wicked ways and seek forgiveness and seek the presence of God in our lives? You see, Stephen's calling Solomon to witness against the high priest. But in the same way, he's calling Solomon to witness against us, against the sin that might be in our hearts. And we need to see if we resist the Holy Spirit being stiff-necked and uncircumcised in our hearts and ears. So we need to learn this lesson. And we need to have our hearts tender towards God. And we need to turn our hearts towards God and turn from our wicked ways and repent and follow Him. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity we have to look into your word and to learn a lesson from history. And I pray our hearts will be challenged not to be hard-hearted and stiff-necked. And God, I pray that this is the place of your presence today in your church. And I pray that our hearts are softened so that your presence stays with us always and that we remain even until the end of the age. We thank you. For your word today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.